Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, stone shop owners from across the Fruited Plain and beyond, this is the Fab Lab Podcast, and I am Aaron Crowley, host of the Fab Lab Podcast, hosting this episode, 134 out of close, more biz with fewer quotes. Not an unrealistic statement to make. I'm not embellishing. I'm not exaggerating. Just like the last two episodes where we've talked about quoting and talked about sales and the role that, that plays in your stone shop and the success of your company. Um, in the last episode, beating your competition to the punch, basically doing more sales with the same amount of quotes. In this episode, I'm going to show you, tell you, explain to you how you can actually close more business with fewer quotes. No joke. It's a lesson I learned back in 2011, and um, it still applies today. It's, it, this will be valuable, valuable, valuable content because it'll make your sales department, it'll make your sales approach more effective. You, you will simply be able to do more with less. You'll be able to accomplish more with less resources and less effort. And uh, man, it just makes your business more profitable and more successful and more effective in whatever it is that it does. Those two principles that I'm going to share with you today are basically qualifying prospects and conducting sales presentations. And, and the why I, the reason, the why, the why I, the reason why I bring this back to 2011, it was because when I discovered these principles, it was literally at a point where our company's survival depended upon it. We'd been in survival mode, literally hanging on by our fingertip, you know, fingertips, fingernails for about three years at that point, 08, 09 through 2010. Beginning of 2011, I had to let my sales manager go. And then like two weeks later, his sales guy that reported to him quit. And so all of a sudden I find myself, number one, we were we needed sales. We weren't getting them. That's why I let the sales manager go. Um, but after I let them go, we still needed sales. And I found myself, in a sense, kind of all alone in a role I didn't really have a lot of experience in, didn't feel super confident in. And uh, we, basically my office manager, my estimator, and myself became the sales team for our countertop company. And what I learned in that is what I'm going to share with you today as it related to qualifying prospects and conducting sales presentations because a couple of things happened in that era. Again, company depends. We're starving. We're hanging on by our fingertips and uh, we need sales. And so right out of the gate, the office manager and estimator start scheduling me to go out on these appointments. And I realized very quickly, a lot of these appointments, and this was reflective of the era that we were in, kind of the short sale scenario, just the, the, the carnage in the housing market was just devastating everybody. And so I'd go out on these calls and uh, I'd get out there, drive halfway across town, do the presentation. They'd be like, oh, yeah, well, give us a good deal because our real, you know, it's a short sale. We have to sell our house because we're either going to lose it if we don't sell it. And our real estate agent has told us we have to put countertops in um, to sell the house in this market. And when I would hear that, I'd be like, this was a complete waste of my time. These, these poor people um, are the last people on the face of the earth that are going to buy countertops from us. We were a high convenience, high sort of touch point turnkey system, very high level of quality, very high level of convenience. We did everything for the client and we charged for it. So what I was discovering was I was being sent out on these appointments where we had very, very little likelihood of actually closing the sale because these people were not happy, number one, about having their countertops. Convenience meant nothing to them. They were already losing their rear ends on their house. They were having to sell it at a discount. It was killing their credit. And then the insult to injury is the real estate agent is now telling them, hey, you got to spend four, five, six thousand $6,000 on countertops to sell this house that's underwater so that somebody else, the person who comes in and buys this house from you, <laughs> they get the benefit of enjoying the countertops that you paid for but never got to enjoy yourself. 
And and you, it was amazing at how many of our uh, the, the quote requests were coming from people that were short selling their houses, and um, I can't. I realized very quickly. Went back to the office. I was like, I, literally, I do not have time. I literally do not have an extra two and a half hours a day. I don't have two and a half hours a week to be sent out to go into a home to do a presentation for somebody who's doing a short sale. At the time, we were in so much trouble probably two or three times a week after my wife and kids went to bed, I went back down to the shop and I'd run a couple of tables on the CNC and cut the next job just because we were so short staffed. Sales were so hard to get and we were in survival mode. And it's just like, I do not have time to waste doing sales presentations for prospects (laughs) who have 0% chance of buying. So that was number one. We started learning how to discern to qualify, to screen out the people that weren't likely to buy. And then the other thing I learned was on the quotes that actually were good prospects of ours that should have bought, I was realizing my old school approach to selling was simply inadequate. And what had served us very well back in the early 2000s when granite was just going crazy and there weren't enough fabricators, there was lots of work. We were in a completely different market at that point. It was ruthless. It was vicious in terms of how competitive it was because everybody was trying to survive and my old school sales presentation just wasn't cutting it. And uh, and I was like, if we don't figure this out, you know, we're out of business. And so what I learned through that is what I'm going to share with you today, the value and the power of qualifying prospects, screening people out so you actually consciously choose not to quote on a certain amount of business that comes your way, which looks like opportunities. In many cases, it's not. It's just wasting your time. And then I learned about sales presentations. Really awesome. Back there early 2011, I went to a conference. I heard a man named Steve Rydell give a presentation. He talked about questions-based selling. Now, Steve Rydell at the time was the chief sales officer for Blinds.com. He took that company from like, oh, I think it was 05 to 2013, I think that was the time frame, from like 17 million in sales to 250 million in sales, and then they sold out to Home Depot. Well, Steve Rydell was sort of the brains behind that growth. He was the call center manager. He did all the sales training, all the sales management. Well, I heard him give this talk on questions-based selling, and I literally took notes at that conference, which wasn't even about business, different story, kind of a rabbit trail, and came back and completely rewrote our sales presentation following his guidelines. And what we discovered in 2011, it was the two things happened. We reduced our quote volume by 35%, a third through our qualifying process that I'm going to explain to you today. We actually reduced the amount of jobs we quoted on by a third and increased our sales by 5%. It was the first time since 07 we'd had an uptick in sales. 08 was a decline. 09 was a decline from that. 2010 was a decline from that. In 2011, with just our office manager, estimator, and myself out doing sales presentations, qualifying prospects, and then conducting a really awesome sales presentation, we actually grew our sales for the first time since the Great Recession had started. And so it truly, I mean, it was a defining moment. It it was one of those just radical transformations that took place within the business and within me as a leader and as a sales guy. And I'm going to share that with you today, that transformation. Now, when we talk about qualifying, you're identifying people that are ultimately going to buy from you and those that won't and those that you don't think will. You 
you choose not to quote those jobs. In a sales presentation, you basically figure out how to differentiate and explain what makes you different from the competition. So we're going to get into that in great detail. But before we do, I want to mention a word from our sponsor, No Lift Install System. Now, if you want to differentiate yourself from the competition on the job site by looking more professional, you need to check out the No Lift Install System. Now, you all know that I owned a stone shop for 23 years, and I also invented the No Lift. So we used the No Lift. We prototyped it over years and years and years, developed it, perfected it, and then our guys took it out in the field. They were required to use it. And it was so funny. We would hear from our installers, and we had two full-time install crews at the end of when, before I sold the company last year, but we'd hear this all the time. Customer was as impressed with the no-lift as they were with their countertops. Our installers experienced that over and over and over again. And for whatever reason, an unintended consequence or unintended benefit, I guess, of the no-lift was that people just saw us as noticeably more professional. We had invested in equipment. Now, in our case, we had we created the equipment um, and then created another company to provide the equipment to other fabricators. But it was amazing. The impression that people had about our company, and we wanted to make a good impression. We wanted people to realize, hey, these are professionals, highly skilled individuals who are coming in to install these really expensive countertops that we bought. And so having that equipment added to that. One of the other benefits to, to you know the, the the installer is that it actually made them more professional. And here's how. Instead of Packing that fifteen hundred dollar, you know, fifteen hundred pound counter kitchen, all the cumulative countertops, loading them once they've picked them up once they load them again onto a dolly, and then they they have to pick them up a third time in the job site. Most installers are absolutely wiped out; they're wore out. Those highly skilled professionals have 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 expended all of their energy just getting the countertop onto the cabinets. They haven't begun the actual install yet. The the work that actually requires their professional expertise. And so the benefit of the no lift fellow fabricator stone shop owner is this for your installers. You transfer all that wear and tear, you transfer all that fatigue onto the cart, let the cart put the countertops up on the cabinets. Number 1, you look way more professional. Way you differentiate yourself from your competition for sure. Customer has a better perception of, of your business and the investments that you've made in it. And beyond that, you've invested in the experience of your installers. Now they're not wore out. They have the physical capacity to really excel while doing the actual install. Getting the overhangs lined up. Getting the seams leveled. You know, cutting the cooktop out, doing all the meticulous stuff that you need those highly skilled guys to do. And they're not burned out, fried, wore out, and exhausted when they begin that work, when you got the no-lift install system. So, fellow fabricators, take it from me. If you don't have a no-lift install system, it's the best investment you'll ever make. I'll challenge anybody on the face of the earth to show me a piece of equipment in the stone industry that has the ROI that the no-lift install has. No Lift Install System has. So take me up on it. Check out noliftsystem.com today. Talk to one of the sales pros and get your get your crew, get yourself a No Lift Install System. Okay, so now back to how to close more sales with fewer quotes. We start by qualifying the prospect, and then once we've qualified the prospect and scheduled an appointment, we then go do a killer sales presentation. You can So the first thing that you got to get in your mind, this idea that you can actually grow your sales with fewer quotes, this is how... You do that. And what we experienced, if you're quoting everything under the sun, you're spread thin. You are pulled in so many different directions. You're having to basically apply the same presentation to everybody when it's true that a certain percentage of those people aren't going to buy no matter how good that sales presentation is. 
Now, one of the interesting things back in the day when we were starved for work, we thought we had to go out and quote everything under the sun. And our sales manager was a great sales guy. He loved the challenge. He loved the hunt. He loved the negotiations. He loved that back and forth. And how are we going to close this sale and conquering it? But the problem was he was negotiating with price-oriented people to the exclusion of the high-value people that were happy to give us their money, they were standing around just waiting. Will somebody please take my money? Meanwhile, our sales manager is spending an inordinate amount of time. And tell me if this isn't true, fellow fabricator. The customers that require the most attention, that are the most difficult, are oftentimes the ones that are the most price-conscious. So you spend four times as much time negotiating and closing the sale, only to close the sale at a lower price for someone who's going to cause you more headaches. Meanwhile... Because you were so busy focused on trying to close that sale, you missed the guy that's like, hey, look, I'm easy going. I just want someone I can trust. Just tell me how much it costs and when it'll be done so I can write you the check and get back to business. That is exactly what was happening. So when we are quoting everything under the sun and spending the time doing presentations and negotiating and estimating and following up on prospects that are less likely to buy from us, we limit the amount of time we have to dedicate towards the people who do want to buy. And so when I say that you can actually reduce the number of quotes that you're doing and increase your sales, it's absolutely possible. So number one, qualifying prospects. Let's talk about that real briefly. Every person that called into our company, I'd like to get a quote on my countertop. Fantastic. Step one, grab the qualifying sheet. Get their name and information. Can I get your phone number in case we're disconnected so I can call you back? Great. I got their name and phone number. Now, we would ask a series of very thoughtful, very intentional, very purposeful questions in a very purposeful order to try and discern what kind of customer they were. And I'm going to give you just a couple of them here. But like I said at the beginning, at the time, we had a lot of short sale people that were calling us for quotes, and we discovered we're closing zero of those. I'm spending a lot of time. They're all pissed, and none of them are buying from us because we're the most expensive option they've gotten a quote from. So how do we tactfully and professionally identify the short sale folks <laughs> from the people who are actually going to benefit from their countertops? Because it made a huge difference on what we closed. So first question, well, thank you, Mrs. Jones. Well, tell me a little bit about your project. That was literally scripted into the first line of our qualifying page. It was really a script. That, it was a form that they filled out with the ultimate goal of scheduling an appointment. Well, then they would... Tell us about that. Well, I want to get countertops. Oh, fantastic. The second question, we learned, trial and error, follow-up question was, well, well, fantastic. Are these countertops for you to enjoy? We just found that that was an open-ended way to ask that question. And it would, was very telling. Oh, no, it's a short seller. Oh, no, it's a rental house that we've just bought. Or, oh, no, it'd be some other, you know, we're, we're flipping this house. Those were really price-oriented people where they didn't need the convenience where the people that were living in the home and wanted new countertops to enjoy for the rest of their lives or the rest of the time they lived in the house. Those were our customers. So by asking two very simple, straightforward questions, we were able to at least screen out probably a third of the people that were contacting us for quotes. And we would basically just tell them, you know, we specialize in a very narrow focus, countertop replacement for people who are living in their homes. And then we would go through a couple more questions, and then we'd get down to this question. Well, Mrs. Jones, tell me, what are you hoping to pay for your countertop project? Now, if someone doing a short sale is willing to pay what I charge, different story. But prior, you know, previous to this, prior to us qualifying them, we had no way of knowing. And so we added this to the qualifying script. Well, 
we would have a range of what we knew a countertop project cost, a high and a low, an average. If somebody made a comment that was within that average, it was like, well, fantastic. That is about what we charge. At that point, we would be considering scheduling an appointment to go out and perhaps talk to that customer. But very often, those price-oriented customers had a preposterously low, an absurdly low expectation for what they should pay or what they wanted to pay for the project. Well, okay, that's fine. They just may be confused. They may not have the experience to know what a countertop costs. Next line on the qualifying script would say, well, I understand that, Mrs. Jones. What we've found... A typical countertop project with Crowley's Granite Concepts costs between six and $8,000, whatever the range was. And it changed over time as the market came back. That got higher and higher and higher. And I was always moving that to the absolute limit that was possible that we still keep the schedule full. I wanted to be charging as much as we possibly could. So in the script, if you could see the qualifying script, you'd see this. After that statement, well, Mrs. Jones, what we found is a typical project cost between six dollars and $8,000. In parentheses, it said pause in bold. And our sales staff, whether it was the office manager or the estimator or somebody in the office answering the phone who was qualifying this prospect and anybody in the office could do it effectively because they were following the process, they were instructed to pause, to not say anything, to wait on the customer's response the reaction to hearing that a kitchen countertop project costs between six and eight thousand dollars. Now, if they told us that they wanted to pay three, <laughs> and then we said it cost between six and eight, guess what? They self-selected themselves out of our qualify, and I didn't have to go quote them for nothing. I didn't have to waste my time driving across town to do a presentation for somebody who wanted a three thousand dollar countertop. So, do you get the power of this, fellow fabricator, by creating? a system by which we evaluate everybody that asks for a quote. Now, one of the other things we did back then is I got really ruthless. Um, I stopped quoting stuff over the, I think we were still doing fax machines, probably mostly email though at that point. We basically told prospects, if you will not allow us to come into your home to do a presentation, and if you're unwilling to come to our showroom so that we can do a presentation, we actually refused to quote their project. And people would get so ticked off. And we were professional. We were very respectful. It was just a function of time. My estimator didn't have extra time either to just be quoting willy-nilly. We're, and I used to tell our staff, we're not in the business of giving people quotes so that they know what a countertop project costs. That's not why we're in business. We provide a quote to somebody so they know what we will charge them to do the project. But if someone's just out there because they got nothing better to do and they just want to find out what a countertop project costs... And so they send out three requests for quotes. We're not obligated to spend an hour getting the material selection, putting all that into Moralware, producing the quote, emailing them, following up and all of that when they had no intention of buying to begin with. They were simply just looking for the price. So we were screening. We were selecting out people that were not likely to buy. And if someone, and this is what we used to say, well, if you're not willing to invest one hour in an education about a countertop project that's going to probably cost you six to $8,000, my guess is you're either, number one, not very serious about buying, or you're really not a, the type of customer we're interested in serving. So it was fantastic. Like I said, 35% reduction in quote volume in 2011, and we grew our sales by 5%. Now, the sales presentation, let's talk about that. Once you have screened these people and gotten these price shoppers, or what some people call looky-loos, you know, out of your hair... You got to keep in mind the goal is not just to not do quotes. The goal is to ultimately schedule appointments. And I was always beating this drum. Listen, qualifying is not about <laughs> just telling people we won't do their quote. Qualifying is about ultimately scheduling an appointment 
so that we have an opportunity face-to-face to do our sales presentation, which is telling them what differentiates us from the competition and why they should pay more for us to do their job. That was the whole point of the qualifying process. So then the sales presentation, it's basically three parts to this fellow fabricator. Huge, 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 huge opportunity for you to make massive improvements to your ability to close sales by just following what I'm about to share here about and just having a sales presentation, a method, a way in which you describe to the potential client what differentiates you, what makes you different from the competition and why they should choose you when there's like 10 other people in town or 100 other people in town as was the case in Portland. So number one, that's what we want to, we want to just understand. Our goal is to show what differentiates us from the competition and how that serves the needs of the client. So you can assess this yourself. You know who your client is, your primary customer, and you know what makes your business unique. You need to understand and identify why you feel that a customer should buy from you. Why should a customer buy from you as opposed to somebody else? And there's very good reasons, I'm sure. You just need to identify it anywhere from three to eight points. You need to be able to say there are three distinct differences between my company and the competition, quote unquote, in general. We'll get to that what I call the industry straw man. You need to identify what those are, and they need to be compelling, and they need to ultimately serve the needs of the customer. It's got to be aspects that the client finds valuable or useful or beneficial to them that they may not get somewhere else. So that's number one. Why do you feel that a customer should buy from you? You need three to eight points. Number two, the questions-based selling. This is how you introduce that information. I mentioned Steve Rydell, call center manager, sales manager, sales trainer, director for blinds.com, 17 million to 250 or 270 million in 2013 when they sold to Home Depot. So he created this, this basically approach. You ask questions. So we would start with, let's just say point number one. What differentiated us is that we helped our clients select their slabs. So we would start with a question. Our presentation began with, well, tell me, Mrs. Jones, how comfortable are you going out on your own to select the slabs for your countertop project? We knew from surveys we'd done that 80% of them, that was their biggest concern. They were really worried about that. And so we said, well, okay, we'd ask them. We wouldn't just tell them, hey, we help you. We'd ask them, how comfortable do you feel going out on your own to select the slabs for your countertop project? They would say 80% of the time, oh, it's my biggest concern. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Well, Well, Mrs. Jones, let me tell you what makes us unique. We not only teach our clients how to select the slab, We will actually assist you, and in some cases, we'll even go with you to the slab supplier to make sure that you pick the right slab for your project. Industry norm, this is what I call the straw man, so the question, how comfortable are you selecting your own slabs? I'm telling them the point about our company, and then I am comparing what makes us unique to the industry norm, what I call the industry straw man, the average, everybody else that we're differentiating ourselves from. Most... Fabricators, Mrs. Jones, just simply give you a slab supplier list and tell you to go select your slabs and to let them know once you've made your decision. But we're unique in that we're not only going to teach you how to select your slabs, we're going to assist you, and in some cases, we're going to go with you to help help make sure you pick the perfect slab. I can literally still say the words off the script years and years later. Then we go to point number two. They'd be like, oh, wow, I had no idea that that's what the industry does, and wow, that makes you really unique. Well, let me ask you another question, Mrs. Jones. How do you feel about letting somebody else decide where the countertops in your kitchen are cut out of the slabs that you have painstakingly selected? Literally, that was the word-for-word question. That was the script. Some of them would say, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, industry norm is that the fabricator determines 
where your countertops are going to be cut. So it's going to be a surprise to you on the day of install what your kitchen actually looks like. We're unique, Mrs. Jones, in that we invite you into the process of laying out your counters on the slabs, veining, coloration, at the seams, and we'll get your approval before we cut your countertops. So there are no surprises on the day of install. How does that sound? Oh, my, I had no idea that other fabricators wouldn't let me. Now, some would, I'm guessing, but as an industry norm, that was not common. And so we were able to to very quickly, very easily, and very distinctly differentiate ourselves from the competition, which was building value, which was demonstrating to them, if we go with Crowley's Granite, we're getting way more than these other quotes that we're going to get. If they even got the quote, as you might remember from my last episode, a lot of companies just don't even send them for a week, which gave us time to come in there and close the sale (laughs) before they even had anything to compare it to. So what differentiates you? The questions-based approach. Mrs. Jones, how comfortable are you picking your own slabs for your project? And then the industry straw man. Well, the industry norm is that you get a slab supplier list and you're on your own to go out and pick those counter, pick those slabs. We're different. So that's the three aspects to a sales presentation. What differentiates you? The question that tees up the opportunity for you to use the industry norm as the straw man. And then to explain what makes you unique and what differentiates you from the competition. So that is how we screened out, we reduced quote volume by 35%, and then our sales presentations became insanely powerful. The contrast between what we were explaining and the competition, the average company just coming in there with a notepad and a tape measure taking dimensions and say, hey, I hope to get you a quote here in a week. The, 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 and that cont- I kept over the years, that was 2011. August 19th of 2021, when I sold my company last summer, we were still literally using the same script. We called it the eight standards of excellence. We had eight points that we used to differentiate us. We were literally still using the exact same script. And over those years, I kept thinking, somebody's going to figure this out. At some point, one of these fabricators is going to start asking the question, why do I keep losing sales to Crowley's when their price is higher? They never did. They never figured it out. And so my, my assumption is, is that in your market, fellow fabricator, there's huge, huge, huge opportunity for you to improve your sales presentation. So when you do narrow your focus and you screen out the price shoppers and you stand, you find yourself standing in front of a client in their home or in your showroom who's been screened, you've got the time, you conduct the sales presentation, you are literally going to be able to grow the number of sales that you close and at the same time, reducing the number of quotes that you have to produce and then follow up on. It's amazing. I've had other companies come back and tell me, Aaron, you taught us that at that seminar. You taught us that at that workshop. To this day, we are still crushing it in our sales department using that same script that you gave us at that seminar. I've heard it over and over and over again, fellow fabricators. So I hope that this, that this is landing because I just, I'm convinced. I know the value. I know the benefit that this can have in your business. Whether we're heading into a recession or not is relevant. This will just simply make you more effective. It'll make your business more successful. And if you can charge more, it'll make you more profitable. Because that's the whole goal. That's what I tell my coaching clients. You know, at the end of the day, my approach, I want to show you how you have to how you can work less and actually make more money at the same time. Not not work at all, but 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 work less. 
Work smarter and make more money. You can. This is an aspect of that. How do you make your sales department more effective so you can close more business with less work at a higher margin than you're currently doing that? And so I want to make an offer to you real quick. A couple of options for you. You've heard me mention the Stone Shop Business Assessment. That's available in the show notes of this podcast. Click there. It'll open it up. It's a 20-point assessment of your business. Part of that one-fourth of it is regarding your sales department. So that's an opportunity for you to assess just the effectiveness of your sales system right now as it stands. I also want to make an offer to you. I did a retail sales presentation seminar. It's three videos. They're about five to seven minutes long. It's called I called it the Radical Retail Sales Seminar. If you go to the show notes and click on that link, you can actually get, you'll get an email with those three videos. Basically, it's an expanded version of this podcast that I just did for you. Radical Retail Sales covers a lot of what I just did, just in more detail and more depth. So go to the show notes. You can click that link and you can download that little sales seminar that I created a number of years ago. And lastly, if you'd like to continue this conversation, if you're intrigued by the prospect of um, talking to me, I got 23 years of running a stone shop. Um, I've been coached by some of the most amazing coaches along the along the way, and I have uh, been able to make this transition, this amazing change in my career path to where I get to work from home. I delegate at the shop that I currently, or the, the company that I currently own, and it frees me up to coach stone shop owners like you. And so I offer to anybody that reaches out, goes to the show notes, and clicks on the link for one-on-one coaching, the 90-minute complimentary coaching experience. Click on that link, answer a couple of questions, and I'd be happy to schedule a no-strings-attached complimentary 90-minute coaching experience with you to talk about what's going on in your business, talk about what's going on in your life and how those two things intersect and how you might get more out of the business and more out of your life. And so if you'd like to explore that, check out the show notes, click the link. I look forward to hearing from you. So fellow fabricators, a little update. Taking a three-week vacation, another one of the benefits of delegation. I talk about the process all the time. I'm going to be leaving for three weeks on vacation, taking a little, actually, it's a large family trip. The family and I, were going on a 14-state journey in the RV, seeing some family, and I'm uh, just taking some time away. And so I will be out for the next three episodes, but my good friend, fellow stone shop guru, Ed Young is going to be filling in for me for the next three episodes. And so look forward to those three episodes. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to be doing. I trust him enough. I don't need to know. After those three episodes, I will be back the middle of August, and we will resume the Fab Lab podcast. So until then, fellow fabricators, happy fabricating.